Like I said, tonight will be a bit different than um, our typical annual vision and prayer nights. And so I will not be giving uh, any real like financial and numbers update. All of that can be found on a web scroll that uh, the website is on the screen right there, um, 2017.realitysf.com. And you can, uh, if you get bored tonight, you can go there tonight. Um, but I hopefully you don't get bored. But just get on the way, on your way home, or whatever, or tonight, check it out. All like the all the reporting numbers are there that we do every year. So I won't I won't uh, spend a lot of time doing that, or actually any time doing that tonight. What I want to submit to you is what we, the elders, the staff, and the board of directors believe Jesus is doing in our church. Now we've had a lot of questions about who the board of directors are in our church, and so we have them here with us tonight. I would like to point them out. Scott Hale, where are you, Scotty? Scott is right there. I know you can barely see, but Scott, yep, Scott right there. Uh, Leah, Leah Farnham, are you, I know Leah's here somewhere. I see her. Oh, she's right there too. Oh, they're all right there. Oh, how convenient. Um, Ryan, is he there too? Oh, Ryan Payton is right there. Um, Britt Merrick, is Britt there too? Oh, there, okay. Tyler Morgan right next to him. And then Tarek, he's over here, there, right there. That's our, our board of directors. Um, I'll t- we'll talk about the elders uh, a little later on tonight. And the staff, of course, you know the staff. You see them um, all the time. Now, it's my pleasure as the pastor of Preaching and Vision to share these things with you. But I, I, what I want to say, first off, this is not my, my vision or things that I've come up with. Things that I'll be sharing tonight have come from uh, our staff and our elders, a lot of prayer together and discernment and long conversations, and most importantly, waiting on God together as a leadership community. So what I'll share tonight is not just uh, so that you can know what the vision of our church is, but that you would participate in the vision of our church. So are you cool with that? Yeah. Cool. So I want to start here. At the end of 2016, a little over a year ago, and early 2017, our leadership went through the hardest thing we've we've lived through so far. Some of us, uh, the hardest thing we lived through in our lives. Um, and we, we honestly still don't even know what to call it. We, we don't even have a name for what happened. We lost, over that season of time, 11 people from our staff of 28, which is almost half. Not all of those staff were due to direct result of what happened, but there was a pruning that happened in our staff that we felt deeply. Um, we were open with the church when we were going through this. We were open with the leadership community when we were going through this. And the people that we lost, the staff and other key leaders that we lost that, lost that were not on staff, weren't just staff and key leaders. They were some of our closest friends, people that we loved, and losing them has felt like a form of suffering for us. Um, First Peter, this is like the, uh, one of the scriptures that we've been meditating on as a leadership community. First Peter 1, 6 through 7 Peter's talking about the inheritance that we have in heaven. Then he says, in all of this you greatly rejoice, though you know that your inheritance is in heaven. Though now, for a little while, you've had to suffer grief of all, in all kinds of trials. These trials have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. So this text seems to be saying that God conspires with our sufferings and our trials to bring about in us a more genuine faith. Like God is somehow commingled in with our sufferings and our trials so that we can be purified, that we can be strengthened, that we were given strength and purity that we did not have before. And we can testify that this is true. This has happened to our church. This has happened to our staff over this last season. Through this tremendous trial that we have been going through, God has purified our vision. Now, 
Um, and I kind of want to explain how and what, what I mean by that tonight. Right as I was going on sabbatical, I took a three-month sabbatical this summer that um, the elders and staff and you, the church, allowed me to go on, and I'm very great, grateful. And I think, like, I, I feel so good. I should go on one every year, but maybe you can pray about that. Um, so <laughs> I'm struggling. Um, so got to go on sabbatical. Ash and I, it was beautiful. And right before I was going on sabbatical, a close friend of mine shared with me a word that he had for our church. And we were having... Um, we're having breakfast, and he said that, he said, this might be from the Lord or it might not be from the Lord, but you just sit with it for a while. And, and, so, and so he said, that I was praying for your church, and I was reminded of a good book trilogy. Like, you can name whatever your favorite book trilogy is, like Lord of the Rings, or um, we were just reading Red Rising, that trilogy, so that was like on, on our minds. So we're talking about that, and he said, I, I got this image and this uh, picture of a book trilogy, and you think about a book trilogy. The first book starts off so great. Things get going, success happens, fruit, character development, you fall in love with all the characters and everything is so good that at the end of book one, everything falls apart. Characters die, some are never the same, you don't think you can recover, and then it's the end of book one. And he said, now, we're, now you're waiting for book two. He says, and you know this author. You know that he knows how to take every plot and every bad thing that has happened and weave it into amazing book two. And so he looked at me right in the, right in the, right in the eyes. And he looked at me and he made sure I, he had my attention. He says, and so now we wait for God to write book two. And we were at Tartine, which makes everything better. So I'm like, yes, this is like. And so when he said this, he said, you guys, it, God knows what he's doing here. It, it's tragic what has happened in your church over this, this last year. But I feel like it was the end of book one. And God knows what he's doing. He knows how to take all these characters and weave them in to, a, to, to write the next chapter or the next book in your trilogy. So that thought carried me through my sabbatical and it carries me still. And I sat with this word through sabbatical. And when I came back, I talked to the elders about this and the staff, and we sat with it. And then something emerged. And what emerged was a 21-year vision for our church. Yes, 21-year vision. Some of you will be in your 40s by then. 21-year um, vision for our church. And this vision, um, this vision are like all in... In, in three seasons of seven, right? So three th seasons of seven, like a book trilogy. So, so three seasons of seven years. And every seven years is like a new book. And so he here's, what it, here's what we believe the vision is for the next seven years of our, of our church. Long vision for Rally San Francisco. The first seven years was, was years of building. And the next seven years, years of establishing. And the next seven years after that and beyond, years of flourishing. And this is our hope for the next few years. We believe that year one through seven were the building years of our church. We believe that years 18 through, or eight through 14 will be the establishing years of our church. And we believe the years 15, 21, and beyond are the flourishing years of our church. And here's what I mean by that. When you build a church, there's a certain kind of energy and work that's, re that's required, that is demanded of you. Uh, you need a lot of generalists that come along to help build the church. I've heard it said that building a new church is like trying to build a plane while it's in the air. And that's exactly what building a church feels like. Along the way, we've made all kinds of mistakes, but the church is built. I believe that the church is built. We have lived through what has been the hardest season, and we're still here. The church is still here. We lost about, we lost about half our staff, um, and year over year, our average attendance dropped about 100 people. 
but we're here. We're here as a church. The church is, is built. Honestly, I came back from sabbatical. I did not know what to expect. I didn't, I didn't talk to anyone when I was gone. And so I didn't know what I was coming back. I didn't even know if I was coming back to a church. I'm like, is the, is the church still there? I remember that first phone call, is the, is the church there? And like, yeah, the church is great. I'm like, oh my gosh, that's amazing. Um, and I, I think, and I, the way I think about our church is um, really almost like, our, our, like the city of San Francisco in its inception, when it started. Our city, when it, when it first started to become a city, grew too fast. Um, it had some 50 to 60 inhabitants in the summer of 1846. 50 to 60 people lived in San Francisco in 1846. And then by 1849, 50,000 people lived here. And I feel a lot like that in our church. Our church kind of feels the same way. Like you kind of, when that many people start coming in, you kind of have to build on the fly. We're adding pieces we thought we needed along the way as we're building the church. But now we believe that we're moving into a new season. And this new season will look like a whole a whole different work. Like I told you at the beginning, I don't think that this new work that we're gonna be moving into is all that sexy. It's not as, as exciting as building, but it's more crucial and is as important as anything we can do in the next season of our church and for the long-term ministry of our church in this city. We must enter into a season of establishing this church. And what kind of work is that? Well, when you're building, uh, when you're trying to build a church and you're trying to get it into being, you're just finding generalists to fill roles. You're grinding to build a team to gather a community. It's been said like this. This is, the, this is the way church planting typically goes. Church planting goes like this. You gather a crowd. You turn that crowd into a community. And you turn that community into a kingdom people doing kingdom ministry. We see this in uh, John the Baptist's ministry. We see this in Jesus' ministry, gathering a group of people, turning that people into community, and then trying to turn this community of people into a kingdom people doing kingdom ministry. Now, building is the first two, maybe part of, uh, partly getting into three, but the work of establishing is focused on that last one entirely. How do we take this large group of, uh, this large community that lives and works and does ministry in San Francisco, called Reality San Francisco, made up of close to 2,000 people. How do we turn that community into a kingdom people doing kingdom ministry? Our focus for our next seven years will be on that last one. And this, and this focus work will be both um, the internal organization of our staff and leadership structure and clarifying the mission of our church. Now, if you look up the word establishing, this is the way it's defined. It's bringing um, into being on a firm or stable basis or to install or settle in a position. And this is what we'll be working on over the next seven years, to bring the vision and the mission of our church into a settled and stable place. Now, uh, I wanna talk a little bit about the vision and mission of our church. So, but to do that, I wanna start with a little bit of context. What is the context of our vision? And the context is the city of San Francisco. That's our context. And we're, we have a vision inside of San Francisco. And San Francisco is a very weird little place, right? It's a city of paradoxes. It's, it's warm and cool and sunny and foggy at the same time, <laughs> right? It's a city that can be incredibly ugly and incredibly beautiful at the same time. The city is unreasonable. It loves the good as well as the evil, and it's unfaithful to both. It makes enemies of everyone and loves everybody. It has been called the most left part of the left coast, the un-American place where America invents itself. 
One writer says this about San Francisco. San Francisco is the whole world recreated as a single work of art. A painting, a work of sculpture, a poem, a symphony, a story. It is the whole world brought together for the eye of man to behold and the heart to understand. But it's no secret that our city was not shaped by a Christian conscience. One of my favorite, my, my favorite movie theater in San Francisco is the new Alamo Draft House that opened up in the Mission District. And they have a bar inside Alamo Draft House called Bear vs. Bull. If you've ever been to that theater or been to this bar, it's named Bear versus Bull because there were literal Bear versus Bull fights in Mission Dolores. <laughs> literal Bear Bull fight. Like for, this is real, look this up. They would chain a bear to a post, they would catch a bear and they would unleash a bull and then they would fight to the death. And this happened not in the mission, in Mission Dolores, on the lawn of the church. Okay, so our, our city has grown up around this like very vicious, like wild west sort of thing. That's why it's been said St. Francis gave his name, but never his spirit to this brawling young city. So what shaped the city then? One old uh, school writer for the SF Examiner, when it was act an actual newspaper, said this. He said, most of, those, most of those who came west to San Francisco we're more interested in building quick fortunes than rearing enduring cities. Even good men winked at shocking conditions, and many Christian, many a Christian shook his head when he should have raised his voice. Not that local congregations have been inactive. On the, con on the contrary, from the earliest times, they have preached the word, administered the sacraments, and have done the effective work as they were given light and were able. San Francisco's pastors have been well described as faithful, intelligent, laborious, and devout. It is not criticism, but historical statement to say that churches have not significantly affected the city by the Golden Gate. The church has not been arranged on the side of the gospel against its environment. Too often it has been quietly absorbed by its environment. Thus, one honest day present minister of a large city church has suggested what, that what pastors have done for San Francisco may not be as significant as what San Francisco has done to the pastors. And what, what God has called us to do, he called us to start a church right in the middle of this city. And not just a church, but an enduring church right in the middle of this city, this city right here. And when we did, we birthed this city through prayer, a lot of prayer and a lot of dependence on God. And here was our stated vision statement. If you were here for the first like six months of our church, we would hand out paper bulletins, like old school paper bulletins. When you'd walk in, very low tech, right? You walk in, hey, hello, here's a bulletin. On the very top of the bulletin was our stated vision statement. And this is what it said. We, this is 2010, we are a community living in San Francisco. That's our context that desire to see the gospel of Jesus transform our city into something even better than it is. And we believe this happens as we follow and worship Jesus. That was our vision statement from the very, very beginning. Like, what are you here to do? It was that. Now, that's, a, that's kind of a long vision statement. So we, we had to summarize it over the years. And this is our vision statement as it stands now. Same thing, but said a lot more, with a lot more brevity. We are a community following Jesus, seeking renewal in our city. That is what we said our vision statement is. And vision is something that should be so big that you can't get to it in a year, maybe not even a lifetime. But vision should also be something that you can start participating in today. So our vision is to follow Jesus. 
And through following Jesus, bring renewal in our city. And following Jesus can happen today, but it'll also take a lifetime because you never really arrive. Renewal in our city can happen in small ways all over our city today, but it'll ultimately take 50 lifetimes to renew San Francisco. But we believe this is possible. Jesus says that I'm making all things new. He is here for the renewal of all things. This should inspire us. This does actually inspire us. That's our vision, but what's our, our mission? Mission of the church answers, why do we exist? The vision answers the question, what will the future look like if we actually fulfill our mission? So what is the mission? Matthew 28, 18, and 19, and 20 says this. Jesus says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and I am surely with you always to the very end of the age. And here's the thing. The mission of Reality San Francisco hasn't changed from when Jesus gave it to the early disciples. What's the mission of Reality San Francisco? Matthew 28, 18, and 19, and 20. The mission hasn't changed at all. It's the same mission Jesus gave the first disciples. This is why we exist in the world. Now, if you were to summarize what Jesus said there, what is the mission of the church? Two things. The effective proclamation of the gospel to all humanity, making disciples through baptism. And then the development and the transformation of those disciples' character into the character of Christ himself. That is the mission of the church, every church. That's the mission to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ, making disciples of Jesus, followers of Jesus, and then taking those disciples and the development and the transformation of those disciples into the character of Christ himself. So when you blend the mission and vision of our church, our mission is to make disciples of all nation, nations, teaching them to obey everything Jesus commanded, and our vision is to be a community following Jesus, seeking renewal in our city. So that is the vision. That's always been the vision and the mission of our church. So here's the question, and this is where we've, there's been a huge gap for us. This is where there's been a, um, a, a, big, a big sort of like um, a, maybe a problem here to solve. How are we doing this? This might sound really good on paper, on a bulletin, on a website. How are we doing this? How do we know if we're doing the vision and mission of our church? How do people in our church become a part of that vision and mission? And how will we measure success how do we know, is our church successful in the vision, in the mission? And the, by the way, the success, according to God, is faithfulness and fruitfulness in these things. How will we know? We've tried uh, to, to define these things around our, the values of our church, but values are really how we behave and how we behave in the church. And by design, it's hard to measure those. To be honest, we've had a hard time with this. We've had a hard time making our vision and mission concrete, making it palpable, making it measurable for our staff and our leadership. So questions like, how do we know we're succeeding in our vision is a question that often comes up. And then what we can easily do is we can default to numbers and budgets and initiatives, which is okay, but it doesn't map deeper questions. So we can get up and say, well, our budget with this was this, and this many people are in community group, and this is our attendance, this is what Easter was like, and this is how many baptisms we had, and we have all that on the web scroll. But sometimes those are really, is that really a true measure? See, the church can be very abstract at times because numbers only say so much. You can actually be growing numerically and failing at the same time because not all growth is good growth. So this has been our problem for a while when we've sat around, when we've said, okay, what does it mean to be a, a member of Reality San Francisco? What does it mean to be a community following Jesus, seeking renewal in the city? What are the, the measurable things around that? How does someone know they're participating in this? And so our elders and our staff got away to pray. We went away. We did a lot of home, pre-homework. We went away to San Diego where the Spirit of the Lord definitely is. We were there, and he is there. <laughs> It was 74 and 
in December. He is there. And so we got a way to pray and to seek God and to do some work around this area. And we tried to identify how will we measure success? Now, if we say we are here to carry on the mission of Christ and we are a community following Jesus, seeking renewal in our city, that sounds great. But can we calmly say, here's how we do that? And then state specific tried and true ways actually accessible to our church. If I say we're a community following Jesus, seek renewal in our city, are there ways that you're like, okay, how do I do that? And then what are some tried and true and very actual, practical, accessible ways that I can start doing that right now, today? How do I, how do I start ar arranging my life so that's true of me? So we went away to ask Jesus about this and do some work around that. And here's what we came up with. We came up with how we'll define success in this next season. How will we define success as a church in the next seven years plus what kind of work will we be doing to go? What are the markers of in every ministry that we have, this is success. And every ministry that we have in the church and every person that comes to our church, when this is woven into the fabric of their lives, we know this is, we are doing uh, the, the vision, the mission of what Christ's given us to do. And here they are. Success in our church is when people in our church have cultivated deep and intentional intimacy with God. When, and by the way, these, all these things will have ways that we do them and we practice them. So success is when you, when we as a church community have cultivated deep and very intentional intimacy with God. Success is when people in our church are living in authentic community. Success in our church is when people in our church are becoming more like Jesus. Success is when people in our church are radically and practically demonstrating the love of Jesus in word and deed in the city. And so when we, when we step back and we're like, okay, how, how are we going to measure the fruitfulness and the faithfulness of ministry, of a life spent here in San Francisco? And we will say this. So it's summarizing those, cultivating intimacy with God, living in authentic community, becoming like Jesus, and demonstrating the love of Jesus in word and deed in the city. That is our hope. Now, those are, might be hard to memorize, right? Those are like long things to memorize. And so we've created also a very shorthand way of saying this that you will start seeing uh, regularly on literature and things that we put out and series that we go through that kind of marks our church. Reality SF exists to be with God, with each other, like Jesus for the world with God that we will spend our, our lives to be, our life is a cultivated life with God. I think, we think that's like the secret sauce of our church. Like, what is it about reality? Like, when, when the church gathers, it's like, God is there. And we hear that all the time. That is the hope of our church, that you and I would live life with God and that we would live life with each other because Jesus, Jesus um, redeemed a family. He made a new family. And this is, the, this is the family of God. And that we would live life with each other. And that we would live life to become like Jesus. That we would have very clear and specific ways that this is how we're practicing the way of Jesus. This is how the love of money is getting rooted out of our lives. This is how, how, how lust is getting rooted out, of, rooted out of our lives, becoming like Jesus. This is how um, living in the way Christ did with, with Scripture and what he believed about the Bible. Like these sort of things that we want to work in our lives. And then we want to be for the world. We want to, this is not just an in and of itself. This is not just for us. 
that we would demonstrate in all these ways of, 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 of seeing justice and the peace of Christ and the shalom of Christ demonstrated in our city in real, real ways. Now, the work of establishing will be a long and deep work of working this culture into our church to set markers of how we're living into this as an eldership and as a staff and as a leadership. And we have chosen to go really slow with these things. So we're not trying to teach all these concepts um, and figure them all out in the next month or even the next year. Our pastoral vision is to make all of these things true about our church, but to spend a year on each one for the next four years. To say, this one year we're taking one of these things and we're going to drill down deep and go, what does this mean? And how is this going to set the tone of our church for the next 50 years? What does it really mean for our elders and our staff and our leaders and our church to, to live a life that, that has uh, cultivated intimacy with God. That's this year. And then next year we'll move on to the next one. But we won't really move on. We'll just weave it into our pastoral vision. And so hopefully in four years we're like, we can clearly define this is what it means, this is what we mean by cultivating intimacy with God. And this is what we mean about living in authentic community. And this is what we mean about becoming like Jesus. And this is what we mean about demonstrating the love of Christ in word and deed in our city. This is what we mean by it. Because we've spent time with it going deep. And so if you're only here for two years, you're like, I'm only going to be in San Francisco for two years. You know where we're going. And we hope that the next two years, your journey and our journeys kind of meet up and you become this kind of person wherever you go. If you're planning on being in San Francisco long term, and we pray that you are, this is where we're going. And our hope is that this gets woven into the, the culture of our church. So this year, our pastoral vision is cultivating intimacy with God. Maybe you've noticed the tone and the tenor of the way that we've been leading gatherings, the way that we start these nights. It's, it's slower. It's a little bit more cultivated. It's a little bit more, um, we want God's presence. We want God's nearness. This whole year, uh, we, we're going to be working this, all our retreats, all our lectures, all our sermon series, all our community groups and kids material, we'll be working this into who, what we're doing this year. The whole year is like, how do we cultivate intimacy with God? And then what we also want to do is we want to we identify ways to measure this in our staff and leadership. Because you just don't say that. You don't say cultivate intimacy with God. Everybody goes, mm, mm. <laughs> like, what does that mean? Like, what, how, what is that? So, for example, imagine if cultivating intimacy with God and the way that we measure success was that everyone on our, our staff and our leadership spent 30 minutes a day in silent prayer with God. Like, that's, that's the way that we measure it. Like, are you spending th- at least 30 minutes a day cultivating intimacy with God? Are you doing that? And then are you spending, like, a, uh, practicing the daily exam before you go to bed? Like, God, how were you with me through this day? What if all our staff and our leadership... Um, committed to practicing uh, Sabbath once a week for 24 hours. Where they turn off their phone and they, they just sat with the delight of God for a day without doing any work. Like these, these things we want to be measurable things in our, in our church. What if uh, part of our, what this meant was that we're in congregational worship at least three times a month. We make that a priority. Not just podcasts, but congregational worship. Like, the, we want every single one of these things to have, this is what we mean by that. We want to be serious about cultivating intimacy with God, so we'll be a people that does this, 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 and this. And this will be very unsexy work. But this is the work we need to be, the kind of church that can support all the ministry that must take place. There is so much need 
and ministry in San Francisco, the only way that we can actually support that sort of thing is by us as a church drilling down deep in these things. So our pastoral vision for the next seven years is establishing this in our church. This becomes our culture. This becomes kind of um, who, who we are as a church. And every year we get to mark these like measurable things off. Are we doing these things in our church? Are we, are we doing these things in our community groups, in our kids' ministry? Are we doing these things in our, in our servant teams? Are we, are we getting this into the culture of our life? So what we hope happens is that if you're at our church and you're a member of, Re- of Reality San Francisco, kind of what marks you are these things. Like you deeply, you deeply care about uh, cultivating intimacy with God. You, deeply, you need to be an authentic community, Christian community. And you also need to be practicing the ways of Jesus. And you're demonstrating the love of Christ and word and deed in your life. These sort of things are happening over and over and over again in your life. So that's our, that's our, that's our vision. That's our, that's our vision for the next few years. And so w- how I want us to pray tonight as we move into a time of prayer. Um, a few things. The first is um, these are a couple of uh, like real tangible vision-y things. They're not as... Um, as as uh, not, like, not like what I just shared. This, these are more like tactile, and they're this. I want to pray because we're going to be renewing our CG vision this year. Our community, someone came up to me uh, last week or two weeks ago and said, our community groups are like woven into the culture of our church. If you stopped, if you just told the church, we're not having community groups anymore, we would still meet. We don't, we don't, we, it's just woven into the life of our church community groups. But we do need a renewed vision for how are we, what's the leadership pipeline? How are we getting people into community groups quicker? And, and how are we sustaining people in this like very transient city? How do you sustain the right, uh, how do you sustain leaders that can handle new people coming in, but then building a core, like all these things. And we have a very important like CG with a few of our coaches, our CG coaches and few of our staff members, a huge summit coming up in a couple of weeks. And we'd love for you to pray for that. We, we're praying into a renewed vision for our community groups. Um, we're also praying, I love you to pray for leadership and uh, leadership care and development. Uh, starting this year, we will be um, going into a rhythm where we, we close community groups for once, once, a, once for one week a month. There, no, there won't be any community groups happening. We're gonna take all our leadership community and we're gonna gather with them and we're gonna minister to them. We're going to care for them, and we're going to pray for them, and we're going to, we're going to train them and lead them. Every single month, we're spending time developing our leadership team. That is something that I know that I, myself, and the elders have not done a great job with in the past, and we want, to, we want, a, very, we want a renewed vision for leadership in our church. And so this night um, that's coming up in February... Our first one, we'll talk about it at church. We'll tell the church that, hey, you're not meeting in community groups this, this week because we will, we will have your leaders and we'll be ministering to them and, and praying for them and, and training them and spending time with them. And we think that is vitally important for the life of our church. And for anyone who aspires to be a leader in our church is welcome to come to this night as well, as long as you make yourself known and you promise that you will be in leadership. Um, this, you can also pray that uh, we'll, uh, we will be starting a youth ministry by hiring a youth pastor this year. Um, yeah, right? We'll be hiring a youth pastor this year, and um, we have a small youth ministry now, and we're really excited to, to, um, to staff that and, and, and see that ministry grow. Um, also, organizational health in our staff through, we'll be hiring an executive director soon. 
So be praying for that, something that we've been very um, open and upfront with you guys about. Like we need an executive director to come in to help organize the staff and run the staff part so that the elders are and the staff are really freed up to do like what we're gifted to do because my gifting isn't that. And, um, and I'm okay with that. Um, and expanded eldership. And this is kind of where I want to end. Uh, our, our eldership has been uh, only a f- like three, uh, average of three people um, for the life of our church. And we've had a church of, at, when we had two elders, it was just Tark and I. Um, we had like 1,200 people at the church, and that's just not healthy. And then it grew to three people, and, and then finally four but um, we had an elder leave, and so now we're down to three again. And one of the things that came up with everything that had gone on is that we need to expand the eldership, and not just expand the eldership uh, to uh, hiring more on-staff elders, but to expand it, expand it to non-staff elders as well in the church. And so we heard that, and we prayed through that, and we think that is right. We think that um, is fitting, and so what we did we, we, when I was on sabbatical, we brought in a leadership support team that was kind of a pseudo like training ground for a lay eldership, um, non-staff eldership. And so through that, we have identified three uh, elder candidates that, um, that I want even to bring up tonight. And I want to, we want to stand with you and pray for our church together. Um, they are uh, Joe Tucson and Wilson Leong and Christian Fong. Where are you guys at? They're all right here. Would you give them some love? Would you guys come up here right now? Hey, guys. You guys guys come over here. Yeah. Uh, These these men here have been um, a part of praying for our church, helping us. uh, organize and, and right the ship from everything that has gone on over this last season. They've been diligent in prayer. They've, um, and we are now kind of going through a season where we're, we're both, we're vetting. We're, there's a two-way vetting process where we're looking at them and their lives are looking at what eldership is. They have agree, we have both mutually agreed to enter into this process to where at the end of, we hope in a few months, to announce them to the entire church on a Sunday and, and then give the church a time, like four weeks to respond, whether that we should ordain them or not. And then we're going to bring them on as elders in our church. And um, this, is, this has been an answer to a lot of our prayers, my prayers, your prayers. So we're really grateful for them. Would Tark and Kevin also come up here as well? Give them some love as well. <laughs> Guys, this is... Um, this is a, a, a new season in our church where um, we really hope that, that we have enough support in our church to actually lead our church really well um, and lead our church deep. So our church uh, grows down deep roots so that we can become shade to a lot of people that are hurting in San Francisco. And that is our hope. And so we want to pray together um, as, a, as an eldership for you guys. Um, we stand together in this, in this vision that we have. We're really excited about what God, how God is leading our church, and we're just grateful that God is bringing us through this, uh, this season, and he's faithful in doing so. So, um, so would you pray for me? And as I pray, I'm going to invite the worship team to come back on, and, uh, and then we'll spend some time praying into all this stuff. Lord, I thank you for these men.
I thank you for these, these elders that pray for this church and care for this church. And I know, I know our church um, uh, deeply needs this, Lord, care to go out from here. And so we, we thank you for what you're doing. We thank you for the vision that you have given us collectively for this church. And we pray now that as we begin to pray into some of these things, that, God, you would richly, richly be among us, God. That, that your nearness would be our strength. Um, the presence of the Lord would be our strength, God. That that would carry us through, the, through life. That that would be the... You, you would be the air in our lungs in a real, real way, God. And so we, we thank you. We, we just say, God, yes to what you're doing, and we ask that you do more, Lord. Do more in this church. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.